1: Hush, hush, AMC Turn fans. Welcome to another edition of the AfterBuzz Turn After Show. I'm your host, Megan Salinas. And guys, I cannot wait to talk to you about tonight's episode because it was amazing. I am so excited. First of all, I wanted to go ahead and let you guys know... Um, Obviously, you're probably wondering, uh, for everybody who watched last season, you're probably wondering, why, where is everybody? Uh, well, the long story is that, unfortunately, Captain Hooks and, uh, Private Joyce, have been captured by the enemy and uh, will be unable to attend this season. Scheduling scheduling stuff with the new airing schedule for the show. It's conflicting with other things at AfterBuzz and other things, so sadly they won't be able to join us. Luckily, General Schultz will be back in two weeks, uh, but she is out for the for the near future. But she'll be back, so I'm looking forward to talking to her again, because it's been a while since we've seen her at AfterBuzz. Uh, before I go any further, I wanted to go ahead and take a moment to talk to you guys Really quickly about iTunes. If you guys haven't done so yet, we would love it if you would go ahead and subscribe to Afterbuzz TV on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to us on YouTube and iTunes. It really means the world to us. We love hearing from you guys. Go ahead and rate, leave a comment. It's very quick. Get through it really quickly. It means the world to us and to the people behind the scenes. We love hearing from you guys. So, I want to know exactly what you guys thought of tonight's episode of Turn as well, Season 2 Premiere. Uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag ABTV Turn. So, if you guys have any thoughts about tonight's episode, be sure to use the hashtag. And even if you're not watching live right now, feel free to go ahead and tweet throughout the week. We constantly check our Twitters. We love hearing from you guys. I am, again, I'm so excited because tonight's episode was awesome. And in the booth, I have uh, joining me tonight, Engineer Marissa. Hi, Marissa. Hello, Megan. <laughs> How are you
2: doing tonight? Great. And I'm excited for Turn to Return. So <laughs> yeah, you're a Jamie go. Bell fan, right? Yes, big Jamie Bellfriend. We, uh, we were speaking before we went live that he'll always be Billy Elliot to me, but it's, it's nice to see him in a completely different role. So it shows that he's really growing as an actor. And
1: my... Goodness, you were absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. He was so good in tonight's episode. Uh, like Like the entire first season I was talking to you about, he was a very reluctant participant in the revolution. He was a very reluctant spy. He kept going back and forth as to whether or not he even wanted to do it. At this point in season two, he is fully committed, and it is just awesome to watch him go, uh, because he's 100% dedicated to what he's doing now, and he will stop at nothing to actually get the job done. So it's pretty fantastic. Uh, And for those of you who haven't actually watched season one yet, it's all available on Netflix. Go out and check it out right now. It's also available on DVD and Blu-ray. So yeah, be sure to go binge watch that. I mean, there are tons of things to watch on Netflix right now that you can binge watch uh, Daredevil and included. Uh, But sit down and watch this one because it's so, so good. Anywho, let's go ahead and talk about tonight's episode. Let's talk about the opening. uh, Because one of the things that is very, very different in tone from this season, um, from the previous season, is that we start off with actually a great deal of violence. There was very little violence going on in season one uh, because it's the calm before the storm. We got a battle here and there. uh, But for the most part, it was all just kind of unsettling disquieting because you know a battle's coming and this one there's action right out of the get you know right out of the gate right from the get go because we start with a uh, um uh, uh sculptor margaret uh Pat- or patience is her name i'm sorry Uh, Margaret Wright, and she is doing a sculpture of King George. And during a temper tantrum, it, it appears, she actually steals a document. And it doesn't take long before she's found out. And killed for it, but what this does is it gives uh, King George. He needs to call on somebody, and who better to call on than Robert Rogers, who was you know sent away by John Andre at the end of last season? Well, now the king himself has a mission for Robert Rogers. He wants him to go into the Northwest Passage to get that document back, destroy it, and destroy anybody else who might have seen it. And I wish I had gone back to like pause and actually look at what she stole uh, because. I missed it, and I was sitting there going, Oh my gosh, what did I miss? What was on that document? And I don't know if there was anything. Uh, Marissa, what do you think would be so important that they would send a mercenary to go and get it back at any cost? I think it might be documents on, uh, you know, private intel
2: on, say, maybe a general or a leader or someone that they want
1: to take down.
2: Yeah, or, um, it, it has
1: to be something of extreme importance if they're like, you go and you you get this back, destroy it at all costs, and destroy anybody who might have seen it. That's extreme. <laughs> like That's extreme for this show because mo- there's been very little fatalities in this show in terms of character deaths. And yeah, it seems like it. So whatever's
2: on the documents are very important, and I think that that will be probably a... A looming theme throughout all the episodes. If this is already, they started the season off as such an important object.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like this, uh, the MacGuffin of this season. It's like they just kind of threw it in there. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see. uh, And it's going to be interesting also to watch Robert Rogers go through uh, the motions to try to get this back because he's a mercenary and he. He's a lovable mercenary. We love him, but he's not a good guy. He's a killing gentleman, as they put it. And that that actually describes him pretty well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see him go out on this mission to get this document back and whether or not he'll even want to return to the king with it, depending on what it is when he finds it. So that's going to be a lot of fun to sit down and watch that unfold. Uh, but meanwhile, back in Satakit. Is kind of an interesting character. Like all of the characters who are still in Satocket right now, all of them are going through very, very interesting character relationship uh shifts. Um one thing to really note is actually Major Hewlett seems to be developing feelings for Anna Strong. Poor Anna, she just keeps getting all of these unwanted suitors. It's poor poor Anna. <laughs> it's just unfair for her. Um, but the, what, for, uh, what happens is Abe suggests to Major Hewlett that he, uh, act as Anna's escort to the party that Abe and, uh, Richard and Mary are throwing in Major Hewlett's name to celebrate, uh, the, the recent victory in the town, uh, driving those rebels back. And so, uh, that, uh, Anne obviously accepts, uh, so that she and Abe can talk about, uh, their, uh, upcoming missions and the fact that Abe hasn't has had hasn't been able to give any signals because uh Mary knows about the secrets now he she knows that he's a spy and it's just so interesting to see the back and forth between Mary and Abe because without while still trying to keep the secret, they're still trying to one-up one another and still achieve the, their goals. Mary trying to protect Abe from himself, as she puts it, and Abe trying to accomplish his spy mission. But he actually... And it's, it's really fun to watch them go because uh, Abe thinks he has this whole plan uh, thought out about how he'll go to New York under the guise of finishing his law degree. And Mary immediately counters that. It's a lot like watching a fencing match, actually, because she knows exactly why he wants to go to New York. He wants to go to be a spy. And so she convinces Major Hewlett that actually an armed escort is the only safe way, constantly guarding him at all times. So that that was such an interesting dynamic. And in the wake of that, we get this very, very bittersweet scene between the two of them um, when they're finally alone together. And she admits that the main reason that she's doing all of this isn't just to protect their livelihood and their son, but because she's actually fallen in love with Abe, which is something that they never actually came out and stated in the first season. Uh, she she has fallen in love with him. This was an arranged marriage um, in the wake of his brother's passing. It was Done out of duty, and she has fallen in love with his courage and everything that makes him him. The fact that he's able to stand up for what he believes in, but but he can't reciprocate that because he's still in love with Anna, and she doesn't care. She still loves him, and it it's so tragic because in in a perfect world they could just be happy together. Uh, you know, everybody could could pay. You know, in a perfect world. Abe's brother wouldn't have died, but that's not the case. And it's really tragic to see the situation that they're in now because she's now in love with somebody who can never love her back. Even though they, they have a family together, it's, it's, it was really hard to watch. And even though Mary did a lot of things in the previous season that we weren't happy with, I feel really, really bad for her. And yeah, it's just such a shame. But. Uh, Jamie Bell's character, Abe, on the other hand, uh, he immediately has another tactic that he has to employ, uh, after after being assigned an escort, he actually – this was actually really fascinating. He actually goes directly to Major Hewlett and says he wants to be a double agent. He wants to make up for uh, past wrongs, as he put it, for being involved with the Sons of Liberty when he was when he was in school, uh, to make up for the fact that he was involved with the group that ultimately led to his brother's death. And it's very – it was – I was so surprised. My jaw was on the floor when I saw him consulting with Major Hewlett directly uh, because he's playing it very, very close to the chest. And it was just really fun to watch uh, Abe actually being, like I said, being fully committed to what he's doing and being able to do anything Including go directly to Major Hewlett to get the job done. Well, sure enough, it works. He manages to convince Major Hewlett that this is in fact the best course of action, and that secrecy is the best, uh, the best way to keep it. So he makes Major Hewlett promise that he won't tell his father, or ke- and also keep it a secret from his family. So he's essentially created himself the perfect alibi because supposedly he's going to New York to study law, to suppose, and he's supposedly being guarded by somebody the entire time uh, which actually it's pretty funny um, the the man he who was assigned to guard him on the way to and from used to be uh, under Simcoe's command and so he's none too pleased that he has to escort Abe to and from uh, New York so it's that's a pretty fun back and forth uh, but when when Abe actually gets to New York, it's really fascinating to watch because he, he finds an inn to stay at and asks for a lot of eggs so that he can relay his message in the way that we saw last season um, through the secret um, for, through invisible ink. As we saw last season, the the method that Nathaniel had come up with and it was and so he's scouring all of New York and um, finding where where troops are stationed he's gathering all this information and relaying it that way but immediately you can totally tell that the the environment in new york that it's a very uncomfortable environment the people there are really on edge and that's one of the things that he takes notice of and one of the people that he comes across is the innkeep robert townsend and um what ultimately ends up happening is at the end of Abe's first stay in New York, as he's getting ready to leave, he realizes um, some of his messages were stolen by the innkeeper. So he rushes back to the inn uh, to, and to his surprise the uh robert townsend hasn't actually turned him in he's destroyed the evidence and makes it very clear that he doesn't want abe to he doesn't want to see abe again but there were tons of soldiers in the inn and he didn't turn him in and that's something very important to note because actually in history um uh, i hope this isn't possible spoilers but it's history so we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, Robert Townsend was actually a part of the Culper Ring. So, again, this show is, I, Marissa, I don't know if you know, but the show, they they refer to it in, um, the cast members, they refer to it as history adjacent. So they're like, yeah, we want to stick to history, but we don't want to be completely locked in to every single event that happened.
2: Right, and, you know, if you really stick to every historical event, then that won't leave you enough room for um, creativity and whatnot. And this is a television show, so you have to have that room for entertainment as
1: well. Exactly. They they, wanna, they want a little bit of leeway. Uh, a creative license, I suppose you could say, with history. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see if Robert Townsend actually becomes involved in the Culper Ring. I think that's where they're going, because if he wasn't going to be, I think they he would have just turned Abe in right out of the get-go. I don't know. That's my thought. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. He just kind of seemed shady. Um, they didn't introduce his name. They didn't give his name until the very end of the episode. And uh, and the entire time they shot him, they shot him in a very, like, menacing, eerie way. In kind of a, this guy is not to be trusted way. So I was really surprised when at the very end of the episode, his na- he said his name was Robert Townsend. Because I'm like, that doesn't... Wait, you you build him up to be kind of scary why are you if he's a part of the culprit ring why would you why would you build him up this way
2: I don't know. well that might be you know on their purpose that they maybe want to just create an enigmatic character that the audience just has to maybe decide is this good is this bad guy it, yeah is he friend should or we foe? trust him is he a spy or is he not
1: yeah, that's actually something interesting to note is that he might already be a spy for Washington and he sees Abe striding in here making a spectacle of himself and he's like, gosh, this amateur, he doesn't know anything. So he could already be a spy or he could just be somebody who's sympathetic to the rebel cause that doesn't want any trouble, but who will eventually be convinced to become part of the Culper ring. So that'll be a, that'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Sounds like a fun character to keep following yeah no i'm excited to see what they do with him um but apart from abe's storyline um i i want to go back back to Satakit to talk a little bit more about anna um, because anna's been through a lot in, in the past season she lost her husband uh because he he was captured in war and then when he came back she had to abandon him again um because Abe was staying in Setauket, uh, and she's actually still in love with Abe, so she abandoned her husband to stay there under the guise that, you know, her husband was a rebel, so she had to abandon him and lost her tavern and now has to work for the man who, own, who now owns the tavern uh, and customers that don't respect her at all because they just think it's hilarious that she now has to work at the tavern that they used to own. They think that's a hoot. And it's it's just really frustrating. And because all of the ladies of the town have also been gossiping about her nonstop behind her back um and, and just people in the town in general, <laughs> they've been kind of jerks. Um So it's very interesting to see Hewlett actually genuinely falling for her for what he believes is an act of bravery, because in his eyes. She valued king and country over her husband who was a traitor and she was willing to abandon him, uh, because, because of that. And so that, that bravery as he sees it is what is making him kind of fall in love with her. At least if that's what it is. He says it's platonic, um, and then goes on to, uh, explain the definition of platonic in the most awkward, <laughs> awkward way possible. But, um, so that's interesting because, again, the entire last season she was, she spent fighting bureaucracy. And now that she's kind of won him over, it's interesting to see him trying to do her favors. He, he manages to get, uh, Mary to invite her to the sewing circle, uh, where she is able to actually kind of, In a weird way, get them in on, um, contributing to, uh, privateering because the, the man who now owns the tavern works with a privateer to keep prices low and they want to do a charity. So it's very interesting that she's now getting, um, getting the sewing circle involved in very, uh, involved with nefarious people, I suppose you could say. Although the British would argue that privateering is 100% legal, even though they're basically pirates. Um, so that's, that's really interesting too. And I feel really bad for Hewlett, Marissa. I don't know if you know, but Hewlett is one of my favorite characters in the series. He's played by uh, Bern Gorman, uh, and from Pacific Rim and from Torchwood, and he does a really good job. And he's very much a letter of the law kind of person. And I just feel really bad for him in this scenario because he keeps trying to do what's right. He he keeps trying to win over the hearts and minds of the people of Setauket. And he's just kind he's but he's really socially awkward he doesn't he's he wants to win over the people of Setauket, but he's really not in touch with them because you know he is an officer of such high distinction, and for a while he kind of thought of himself as kind of like the king of the castle, and I don't think he feels that way anymore I think he even though he he's very okay with being celebrated it's um yeah I think that him falling for Anna is maybe making him realize how kind of isolated he's made himself,
2: yeah, and I think I mean, if it seems like a man who's so set in his ways and he's he might be a more introverted kind kind of person, but you have to remember this is during war, so maybe you have to get out of your comfort element and your comfort zone to in order to really grow as a person and just grow in in the society.
1: Yeah, that's true because he's, he's been the king of the castle during peacetime. Uh, and yeah, we had that one battle, but for the most part, he hasn't had to really contend with the rebels hand to hand or at least on any of the front lines like a lot of his other peers. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see, um, if he actually does have romantic feelings for Anna and if that develops. Or if he's just really socially awkward. It could be that he really does mean it, that it's platonic, um, that he just genuinely admires her for what he deems as bravery. Well, right now it seems
2: like it's something he's not used to. Yeah. And so it, it might just be this whole new sensation. He doesn't know what to do with themselves because he's never been in that situation. So that should be fun.
1: I like that. Has Hewlett ever been in love? Ah, I like that. that. That could very well be it. Maybe he's just never been in love before.
2: Yeah, so maybe his natural tendency to be introverted and shy in that way is just being um, multiplied just because he... Or more enhanced because he now is faced with a situation he's never dealt with.
1: Yeah, he was a guy who, in season one, he was perfectly content just hanging out in the stables with his horses and, you know, obviously taking care of his duties. And But usually, yeah, he just kind of had a close-knit group of people that he liked talking to. And, you know, he didn't really go out and about in town all that much. So, yeah, that could be it 100% that he's just never been experienced with this type of thing before. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Although if he is falling in love with Anna, ah, again, I feel really bad for him because that's the one person he's never going to win over. Um, not only because she's in love with Abe, but because she is 100% dedicated to the rebel cause. So that's all sorts of heartbreaking. Poor Major Hewlett. It's doomed. <laughs> Poor guy. I feel really bad for him for so many reasons. Irreconcilable (laughs) differences. Yeah, I think that's kind of a deal breaker for a relationship. Uh, But I want to go ahead and uh, flip it over to actually the rebel camp. uh, Because right now we have uh, poor Ben Talmadge. He's trying his best to kind of keep uh, the, the rebel troops in line. Because right now... Uh, they hit a really, really... They hit a really big snag when they lost the battle for Philadelphia. Philadelphia is now under the British control, and that is seen as a glaring failure on Washington's part. So a lot of the troops... Think that Washington's not fit to lead. And Ben has a lot, has a huge problem with that because he believes in Washington and he doesn't want there to be dissent, uh, within the troops. And even worse, Caleb is still reeling over the death of his uncle. And at the beginning of this episode, he pretty much makes it clear that he wants to up and quit, uh, because he, like, doing all of this, he he's used to putting himself in danger, but what he did by joining the Rebels essentially put his family in danger. And he never really considered the consequences of that until his uncle died. And so now he's like, you know what, I'm just going to look out for me because at least that way I'm only risking myself. But ultimately he can't bring himself to do that. Ultimately, when he sees his friend Ben in trouble because he picked a fight, He can't stand by idly and just let that go. So he's still dedicated to the rebel cause. But meanwhile, there is a lot of other things going on in the rebel camp because Major um, Charles, or General Charles Lee, I get them, get the ranks mixed up. Uh, But General Charles Lee, who is, who was released by John Andre to be a spy, for, uh, for the British, he is in the camp and everyone is still unaware that he is a traitor. Uh, and so it's very interesting to watch uh, this guy who is clear in the audience's eyes, clearly a traitor, talking to General Washington and everybody else uh, about... And you just don't want to... Every time he says something, you want everybody to contradict him and do the opposite because you know he's just trying to steer them towards failure. And <laughs> that's... Terrible, but what we get in this scene was the introduction of Benedict Arnold. And holy cow, that was one hell of a character introduction. He, like, if they had, if they hadn't been in a tent, he would have kicked the door open. Cause that's essentially what he did. And it's awesome to watch this character go because for the longest time, and a lot of people only know Benedict Arnold as the traitor. He's known as one of the greatest traitors in American history. And the reason for that is because prior to that, he was one of our greatest soldiers. He was, um, and actually John Andre brings this up, uh, was the story of how he was able to turn the tide in a battle. By being completely insubordinate, he had been ordered to retreat and he refused. He refused and he was able to turn the tide in that battle and didn't get any of the credit. Uh, and unfortunately, he was injured in this battle. So now John Andre's plan is to come in and while his leg is healing, allow, uh allow the way they put it, his vanity to fester. So ultimately, and it's so fun to hear John Andre talk about this too, master master planner that he is, to um that he thinks of it as a dance, that he can somehow dance uh, you know, with Benedict Arnold, that he can somehow, through the motions, get him over to the side of the British and get him to be a spy for them. Which obviously we know history ultimately works. So that's going to be really, that's going to be heartbreaking to watch because this is a man that not only does George Washington really, really respect, but who also respects Washington in return. You can see that because they, they both understand what it is to go into battle and they know what it is to go into war. And so it's really, it's going to be heartbreaking to watch. I I was actually really impressed with how they're portraying him because. I- Oh, go ahead. I,
2: I have a question. Go right Now on. that they brought Benedict Arnold into the story, and we know he's one of the biggest, like, as you said, biggest traitors of America, um, do you think the first man that we talked about earlier, who was, you know, shot in a very shady way, do you think he's also bad, too? Would they bring two characters in the same episode who are both
1: potential spies? Well, yeah, the, um, it's... In all honesty, I think Lee is gonna get found out before Benedict Arnold gets turned. Uh, towards the, uh, we get a lot of hints from that, uh, because Abigail, towards the end of this episode, she sends a message to Anna, uh, stating that Charles Lee is a traitor because she overheard John Andre talking about that. So now that that information has gotten to Anna, hopefully she can get that out to Abe, um, who can get it out to Ben as soon as possible. But who knows? Um, we've seen before that information, uh, is, is key. And that if, uh, and we've seen just now that, um, Abe's strategy didn't necessarily work. So who knows how long he and Anna will have to sit on this information until they can get it out to Ben and Caleb. Um, uh, because yeah, um, Abe's strategy in New York didn't really work. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't think they'll be spies at the same time, but I'm hoping that Lee will get found out soon and that, um, and that Benedict Arnold's turn will come later. Cause I imagine that it's going to take time and a lot of frustration on his part before he will, uh, be able to be convinced to go over to the rebels or to the British side. It's going to be interesting.
2: Yeah. Because as we know, Benedict Arnold, he, he's done a lot of battles up until the point where he defected. So yeah, I, I think Benedict Arnold's character will take a few episodes to get to that point where we know him as that traitor.
1: Yeah, um, when he was introduced, he was uh, the veteran of eleven battles. I think is what he said. Um, which, considering uh, this is wartime, that's really not bad. Uh, so yeah, no, it'll. And actually, um, what they what they do, um, and I'll get to that when I when I talk a little bit more about John Andre's side of the story. But they actually introduce another character towards the end of this episode that will be probably integral to uh, getting getting Benedict Arnold over to the British side. Uh, Again, spoilers, (laughs) I suppose you could say. Thanks, history. You spoil all the good shows. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But I do want to talk a little bit about John Andre and Simcoe. Okay, uh, Marissa, I don't know if you remember from last season, because uh, you were engineering, but um, I said Major Hewlett was one of my favorite characters. John Andre and uh, John Simcoe are my favorites of the series. Actually, it's kind of like a three-way tie, but uh, honestly, I find them to be the most interesting characters in the entire cast, and that's saying a lot, because they're all really cool. Now they have the battle to win your heart. <laughs> kind of. Um, everybody used to make fun of me last season for having the giant, this giant crush on John Andre. No, but I think that's good if there are already three guys now <laughs> that you're interested in. It
2: shows that their their characters As are characters. doing something right. As to, characters. Yes, no, I completely <laughs> agree. But it, it shows that the, their characters are intriguing enough for you
1: to like all of them in certain different ways. Oh yeah, no, there's something interesting about each and every one of them. I, I like characters characters who are very much the letter of the law, like Hula is. Um, Simcoe is an enigma wrapped in a mystery. He he's such an interesting layered character. And this this scene, this opening scene with him is actually very much illustrative of that exactly. Um, we actually had Samuel Rokin call in last season and he was talking about how um, Simcoe in real life was a poet. And we actually got to see that a little bit because in, at the beginning of the season, he's been court-martialed. He is stuck in a basement with a bunch of other, I assume, court-martialed people, uh, (laughs) doing, filling out forms, uh, with, with very little light, it looks more akin to a prison than it really does—an office where where disgraced officers have gone to fill out forms. And- well, I think any clerical work is already a self prison. <laughs> yeah, they they pretty much stuck him in a cubicle. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, but one of uh, one of his superior officers comes in with some of his poetry and reads it in front of the entire group uh, to try to disgrace him. Because and it's it's very sweet, very heartfelt poetry, which you would not expect from Simcoe, because he is as they uh, as they used to describe Robert Rogers. He's a killing gentleman. He is uh, a very very barbaric person when it comes to violence. When he sees when he is set when he sets out to do violence against other people. But in his hearts of hearts, he's still human and he's still very much in love with Anna. And it's so... It, again, it's an it's another tragic thing. I feel like he and Hewlett should have to... He, Hewlett, and actually Mr. Strong should all join a club uh, about people who are in love with Anna who uh, it's unrequited <laughs> because they would have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. But, um... He gets a message from John Andre, and what's delivered to him is a message that says, come here, post haste, and in it, in the package, is the knife that he used to stab a spy at the dinner table uh, when when he was dining with John Andre. And so that sends a very clear message about what John Andre needs him for, and sure enough, after... Knocking that guy around for reading his poetry aloud, he runs uh, to go and see John Andre. And John Andre wants to put him in charge of the Queensmen in the wake of Robert Rogers being sent away because they need a new, very barbaric person to lead them out on missions. Who And he needs somebody who will follow his orders, but who can also get them into line. And sure enough, Simcoe is precisely that person. And what's happening here is that Simcoe being put in this position of power, yes, he sees it as a demotion, but he is now free. He he doesn't have to work at the desk anymore. He can, and he can station his troops wherever he wants to wherever he wants to. And he made it very clear to Abigail that he's going back to Sataket. So at the very end of this episode, it it was a pretty phenomenal scene, but he um he actually kills a man in order to establish his dominance as the leader of the Queensmen, uh or the Queen's Rangers. And yeah, it was this fantastically set up scene with a lot of great tension and now that he's got these guys in line and that they are now not going to oppose him he is going to march them straight to Setauket and that is huge huge trouble for poor Abe because it's one thing to have a British officer dislike you uh, who has to follow orders and for the most part obey the letter of the law it's a completely different thing to have the head of a group of mercenaries gunning after you. So that poor yep, yeah, I hope Ape plans on staying in New York for a while because that's that's gonna be huge trouble for him later on. And let's let's go ahead and go back to John Andre. Because in Philadelphia now, which is where he's currently stationed, he's um He actually has this really great conversation as he's looking over a lot of Benjamin Franklin's inventions. And this is one of the things that makes John Andre a really great character, too, is even though he's on the side of the British, he very, very much respects and admires a lot of the people on the side of the rebels. He loves looking at Benjamin Franklin's ingenious inventions. He admires the fact that he um, he doesn't have any limits when it comes to his imagination or his curiosity and that's a lot of fun to have a character like that because it would be so and i know i talked about this last season but it would be so easy to paint all of the british soldiers and all of the officers as just kind of mustache twirly villains but it's so refreshing to see them actually portrayed as human beings people who even if they're on Opposing sides can admire one another And that's one of the reasons why John Andre himself was so respected In real life, in history So it's really great To see that uh, at play But speaking of a dance And that that was the main thing uh, That he said he, he wanted That was the metaphor he was using When it came to turning Benedict Arnold He actually uses a dance at the end of this episode To get uh, Margaret Shippen On his side and, uh, he, he plays a game. They, they, they're both playing a game because they're at a dinner party and she is clearly the most beautiful woman there. And all of the men who are coming up to her and asking for a dance are being declined. So John Andre seeing this, he knows that if he is going to dance with her, he has to try a different strategy. So sure enough, he asks her friend to dance. And by the way, is there nothing this man can't do because he played the violin and oh my gosh, he played it wonderfully well that's sexy especially (laughs) in, in those days yes yeah no he can play the violin and he can play it really well and it's so funny to watch other watch him with other people because he plays other people just as well he as he does that violin it's pretty fantastic uh, and so eventually, yes, um, they end up dancing with one another. And she admits, she's like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm not that easily convinced. You won this dance, but who's to say there's not going to be another one? And um he begins to question her about the uh, rebels who s- previously stayed in her house in Philadelphia. And it turns out Benedict Arnold was one of those uh, rebels that was staying with her. And now this is interesting um, because, again, if you know history, you know Margaret eventually became Benedict Arnold's wife. They had five kids together. So it's – and she is very much – according to history, she is very much a part of John Andre's conspiracy and played a big role in um, all of Benedict Arnold's treachery. So it looks like, actually – john andre is playing this very very well because i think what he's going to end up doing i think the way that this is going is that he's going to try to set up he's trying to get he's going to try to get margaret on his side and then through her try to get benedict arnold to turn and i think that's how it's going to go down but that i don't know that's just me that's just a theory what do you think, Marissa? Do you think that could be possible? I think that relationship is doomed as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they end up getting married. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, but I, I foresee a divorce in the future. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting because, again, we talked about how the show is history adjacent. It's going to be very interesting to see if if they go you know, the history route where she actually does marry Benedict Arnold if they go that way, if she's even going to be in love with him, or if maybe because because there's a great deal of romantic tension between her and John Andre at the end of this episode during this entire dance scene, um, because they like to play games with one another. And so it's going to be very interesting to see if even if she goes and marries Benedict Arnold, if maybe John Andre isn't the one that has her heart. So yeah, the- it sounds like this particular storyline and relationship and love romance
2: story is, might be for entertainment purposes. <laughs> yeah,
1: probably. There, again, I, I assume that she, she loved Benedict Arnold in real life. But it's going to be very interesting if the show tries to put this into a love triangle. So, yeah, those are, are always fun to watch, too. Yeah, they are. They're always a who, And this show is saying it's kind of hilarious because this show is setting up not really love triangles so much as like love pentagons or. Um, oh, gosh. Squares. Love squares. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> love hexagons, uh, especially with Anne. Poor Anne. Um, but anyway, or Anna. And so let's see. We talked about Abigail. We talked about John Andre and Simcoe, Robert Townsend and Margaret. We talked about Abe in New York. We talked about. Ben, We talked about basically everything. So I'm going to go ahead if it's all right with you, Marissa, to go ahead and just move into predictions for next time.
0: And now you're after Buzz TV
1: predictions. That is always my favorite. I love how you put on the strobe light show. It's great. It's what we do. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, for the next episode, uh, we have um, we have, like I said, the Queen's Rangers are now on the move. But what looks like what happens is that it looks like Hewlett comes clean to Richard about about what Abe is doing. That he's hired, essentially hired Abe to be a double agent. And of course, Richard, who wanted his son as far away from the rebels as possible who is still recovering from a gunshot wound he's not going to be enjoying that we've got robert rogers getting ready to go on the northwest past trying um trying to get that document to destroy it we have simcoe heading back to satauket and the main thing that looks like goes going on in the next episode is trying to get the information about general lee uh, and trying to let everybody know that he's a traitor and again with all of this stuff going on, especially with Richard finding out about Abe, being uh, working for Hewlett as a double agent. It's going to be very interesting to see whether or not they're going to be able to relay that information at all. I think they will. Like I said, I don't think uh Charles Lee is going to be a spy for much longer, but in the meantime it's going to be very interesting to see that tension. So, Marissa, thank you so much for for letting me talk to you tonight. I really appreciate that.
2: Of course, and the show is uh you know, is back for season 2. Everyone should be excited. Yeah. Sounds fascinating.
1: Yeah, thank you for uh, allowing me to ramble for the last 40 minutes. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. And for all of you out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, we are going to be keeping an eye uh, all week long on the hashtag ABTVTurn. Or if you want to tweet at me directly, you can tweet me at the TheMenguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. And once again, uh, General Schultz will be joining me in a few weeks, so don't worry. It won't just be me rambling into in the ether. So yes, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, if you haven't done so already, go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, go to YouTube, leave a comment. We we love hearing from you guys. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you guys next time.
0: From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek and the entire Afterbuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit afterbuzztv.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth and this has been a presentation of Afterbuzz TV.
1: Buzz you later.